0: Happy Saturday. What's on my mind tonight is just how new it is that you can see yourself on video. Thinking back to when I was a kid, it was so novel and rare to actually see video of yourself. You know, people started to get camcorders, video cameras, that kind of thing. It started to happen, but it wasn't a common occurrence. And you associated video with celebrity, with being on TV, with fame. And a good example of how novel it was, was you would go to stores like, the one that I would always go to was Fred Meyer. Just kind of a a general store that had everything. They would have an electronics section. And at the entrance to the electronics section of the store, they would have a bunch of video monitors facing the people walking by. And all those video monitors were connected to camcorders. And so they would display you. You'd walk by and video cameras were picking you up and you would see it displayed on the screen. And seriously, like every time you went to one of those stores, you'd see people going up to those. And I probably did it too. You, they'd go up to the monitor and they'd see, you'd see yourself on the, on the TV and people would start dancing. They'd do goofy stuff. They do it to kind of test to see if it would pick it up almost like they were seeing if the the camera picked up them doing a goofy pose they were seeing themselves move around in real time and it was exciting like that's me if you saw security camera footage like if you went into a store this wasn't that common back then but if you went into a store and they had security cameras set up where they displayed you on the monitor you were like whoa that's me. It was very novel. And now people don't react to that stuff as much. I think seeing yourself on a video, on a recording, will always be a novelty to some degree. Hopefully. <laughs> but the idea of, of it being something that completely distracts you and it's exciting and new, that's pretty much over. Like a lot of stores that I go to you'll see the security monitor. I still feel something when I see that. For example, one of the grocery stores I go to all the time, multiple times a week, they have a giant screen overhead when you walk into the store, and so you see yourself walking in. And what's funny about it is there's always something criminal about it. I'm just going in to do my shopping, but I always look at it through the lens of like, oh, if you were to just take that footage of me walking in the store and, and you were to recontextualize it as a man came in the store today carrying a handgun, you know it, you'd, it would immediately look ominous. Even if you're doing something totally normal, just shopping, when you see yourself as a man, as, as, as a man, when I see myself on security footage, I'm like, I look like a criminal. Something about seeing yourself, like seeing yourself from that angle, a camera overhead, it becomes immediately criminal. And my joke for years, I don't even know if it's a joke, is just that I would love to have all of the footage that's been taken of me entering stores just compiled. I feel like we should have access to that. If they're going to film us, if they're going to record us, they should give us access. You should be able to log into the cloud. They should let you log into the cloud where you can see the, but it's not much of a novelty anymore. And, you know, that's because camcorders became relatively normal because you would do that. You know, you'd see video of yourself from parties and things like that. You know, my family had some, I think we still have them. They're mine now. Uh, Footage of just birthday parties and things like that. Get togethers. Oh, relatives are in town. Somebody recorded it. And you'd watch it. You'd sit around and you'd watch it. It was funny. The family would gather around or you'd have people over and you're like, we're going we're gonna to show you footage from Eric's birthday last year. <laughs> After dinner, you'd be eating dessert. They'll gather around the couch. Be like, we're going to watch footage of Eric's birthday last year. But it was incredible. It was like, we're watching our family on TV. But even then, I noticed, as a kid, I noticed, like, I hated the way I looked and sounded. Because it was different than how I sound to me. And I still hate that. I mean, everybody does. If you like the sound of your voice too much, and obviously, I you know, doing all these fucking episodes, you probably think I love my voice. Truth is, it's one of the most painful things you can ever hear. One of the most painful things you can ever hear is the sound of your own voice. And I don't even hate my own voice. I don't even hate it but it's still, it's grading. But uh, at some point though, that became relatively normal. Now it's pretty common to have video yourself. Everybody has a camera from the time you're a kid. Now you can be taking video yourself. One of the main ways that young people communicate, not just young people, but especially young people is by taking video of themselves and putting it online, making it publicly available. Part of the, I don't know if you'd call it the individuation process. Part of, you know, your development now in today's world involves constantly seeing footage of yourself, constantly seeing photos. Because, I mean, everything I'm saying right now applies to photographs, too, of course. You know, there was a point in time where the average human being only ever saw themselves in the mirror. Only ever saw themselves in reflections. It was a huge development, obviously, that people could actually see a photograph so they could hold a depiction of themselves in their hands and show people. This is me. But that was all normal. But I mean, obviously, I mean, <laughs> that was obviously very normal in my childhood. Photographs had been around a long time. Color photographs had been around forever, even. But video was still developing video was still new enough in my childhood that most people didn't often see themselves depicted i mean it used to be just just simply being on tv was a big deal like if the news interviewed someone you knew coming out of a store to ask them about what do you think about this issue oh local man saw this you know the news would occasionally just interview random citizens about something that was going on or something would happen and it was uh, <laughs> it was something you told all your friends and relatives about I mean I was never on TV but people would be like oh you know Johnny's gonna be on uh, channel 5 tonight at six and you know what if that was the case you'd tune in like my sister and brother-in-law were on uh, local news because they were in, they worked for a, a wild a wildlife rehabilitation uh Institution. I don't know what to call it, and so they would occasionally be on TV releasing animals. I think every once in a while, they they might ask them a question, but it was a big deal. It was like we all we all better watch. My sister's going to be on TV today, briefly. It's going to show her in the background releasing a uh, a squirrel back into the wild, and uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, it was an amazing thing. it was all relatively new and the idea of seeing a moving talking version of you or someone you knew was novel but we've gotten so used to that and recently you know recently started doing this uh mafia podcast on youtube mob archaeologists and it's new to me to be on video you know i did those school night tvs years ago but it's new to me to be on a video that I don't have control over, with other people, and I mean it is—it's very painful. It's a, it's a very it's a very painful experience, like listening through those and watching those, watching yourself. And there's such a meta level to it because it's you know you're watching yourself while you're recording. You know I, I try not to do that. I try not to stare at the little, you know, square that shows me while it's being recorded. But you, of course, look at yourself. It's inevitable. Which is a funny thing I've noticed with selfie photos. I've noticed when people take selfies, more often than not, they're looking at themselves on the screen while they take it. They're not looking straight ahead. They're not looking into the mirror or the camera they're actually looking at the phone they're they're looking at themselves to see how they look or or to make sure they look good while they take the selfie so it's already very meta they're already seeing the photo they're taking as they take it and uh i don't know but you know doing these zoom recordings for this new mafia podcast You know, the technical side of it's kind of painful because for various reasons. Uh, But, uh, you know, while you're recording it, you can see a version of yourself. And then later, if you want to review it, make sure it's good, whatever, you watch it back so you're seeing yourself again. And I think we've really screwed up our entire sense of reality through that. Maybe not screwed it up, but we have a different relationship with it for sure. And I'm not against it. You know, some people complain. I mean, I, I've heard stories from parents and people who they go through their kid's phone, their teenager's phone, and there's thousands of selfies. I mean, there's people, there's, there's young people who wake up and, and immediately take a photo of themselves, maybe multiple. Usually nobody just takes one. And I've got no problem with Selfies. I think it's amazing that the people have that power. This is something that only the wealthy used to be able to have done, photographs of themselves. And it was a big deal. You had to go to a place. You had to go to a specialist who would take a photo. You'd have to sit there for a while. Or even before that, having a a portrait made of you. Only the nobility had portraits made of them. So the idea that we live in a time where anybody, some single mom with no money can have an image of herself i like it on that level i like that having a a representation of yourself that you can look at isn't something that's just reserved for the elite but it has gone off the rails and it is kind of incredible to imagine all of the young people who have phones where there's probably thousands of photos of themselves Even if somebody only takes a few photos every day, it's something they do all the time. And then video's another side of it. Because I think about that sometimes when thinking about people who make Instagram videos, who make TikTok videos, where that's a regular part of their life. We're just seeing one video, especially if it's one that's kind of set up. If it's scripted to be a certain way, there are probably many outtakes. You know, once in a blue moon, I'll post some really stupid Instagram video of just me doing a voice. I don't do it very often, but sometimes it takes me like two or three times. Usually it's once, but when I was doing more of those in the past, every once in a while I would come up with an idea that I thought was funny or stupid or both, and I would just, uh, it would take me like two or three tries to, to get it right. But someone who where that's their thing, where that's, where that's an active part of their life, who knows how many videos they're doing? There's people who just take video doing nothing. Like they're just hanging out with their friends and they just turn on their video. So this is a regular part of people's lives. It's, it's A lot of life now involves watching yourself do things you just did. We're hearing our own voice to a degree that we never did before. You know, maybe when tape recorders got big, I mean, there were tape recordings of me when I was a little kid, just talking into it. I should have known I'd just end up doing this all the time, because I was fascinated with tape recorders. Just a little Walkman tape recorder. But that said, you know, it wasn't very convenient. You know, it wasn't something you could just do anywhere, everywhere. You had to have blank tapes. And now that you just have an endless amount of storage, you can do what I do, which is just talk to your fucking self all the time. Make video yourself. What's interesting, too, you know, I've only looked at TikTok a couple times in my life. Only one time have I actually just scrolled through. I don't have an account, but I went to the website and I just started scrolling. And I completely understood why people get addicted to that. But since I didn't have an account and there was no kind of algorithm directing, it was just giving me probably what's most popular on there. And I expected it to be all these dances. Most of what I've heard about TikTok is that it's a bunch of teenagers dancing. One teenager does a dance, then another teenager does the same dance. They're just mirroring each other with these dances or these challenges. They do these challenges. But what I ended up seeing was just all of these videos of people eating. There's nothing in my search history, just on Google or anything else, that shows any interest in eating or food. But TikTok, this must just be what's popular on there. It was just showing me video after video of people eating. And one particular vein was little Asian girls eating a lot. They looked like they were actually in Asia. Japan, Korea. In case you didn't know, those are Asian countries. That's my new thing, is I'm going to argue. Japan and Korea, they're not even in Asia. A lot of people don't know this, but did you know Japan and Korea? Not even in Asia. No, but it was showing a lot of things like that. But it would be this tiny little Asian girl, and she would show this just massive amount of food. And then it would be her just eating it like an animal. It didn't even seem, I mean, it seemed fetishistic, but it didn't seem like that was necessarily the audience. Like It didn't seem like all of these videos were made for perverted men who want to watch little Asian women overeat. And it was grotesque amounts of food. And this is apparently a whole thing that I'm mostly unaware of. But I've gotten glimpses of it. Where I know there's a very popular, I don't know if it's on TikTok or YouTube. But it's a very popular show. And it's these two very fat gay men. Two very fat gay men. They're a couple. And they're very effeminate. And it's just them sitting in front of a table with just a massive amount of food, eating it and talking. It's very grotesque. I don't like to watch people eat. I really don't like people to see me eat. I don't know why that is. It makes me very uncomfortable to eat in front of people. I don't know. There's something about that. It seems, it's very personal. It's like my attitude about that, it's almost like the the other side of using the restroom or something where I want the restroom to be as private as possible. I hate public restrooms. I don't even like, if I'm hanging out with friends, like back when I drank, you know, if, if friends and I were on an adventure walking around at night, I didn't even like to piss near them. I consider going to the bathroom a very personal experience, even if it is just being drunk, taking a piss. There's just something about that. I like to be completely isolated and alone. And I'm pea shy. One of the first night school episodes is about how I'm a pea shy guy. They call me the pee shy guy. Uh, but uh, I feel the same way about food, interestingly. Where I just, I don't like to eat in front of people. I can be on a five hour long phone call with a good friend where I need to eat something. It's like, fuck. I mean, about a week ago, a friend called me, and I just finished my workout, and so I needed to eat something, but I got caught up in this phone call, and I was just getting a headache. I was starting to feel just, you know, just like I was falling apart at the seams, and I was like, I gotta eat something, but I'm not comfortable eating on the phone. I don't want them to even hear the slightest sound of chewing. Don't know why I'm so sensitive about that. There's no reason. There's no virtue. But, uh so the fact that there's these popular videos of just people eating and not just eating gorging themselves which i do on occasion last weekend was horrible in that regard this is just maybe i maybe i'm gonna make make these videos like by this time next week i'll be like so i've been making these tiktok videos of myself just gorging myself but yeah like last friday about a week ago it was no it might have been last saturday who cares but uh I bought this, this frozen pizza from Trader Joe's and they have good ones. And so I ate an entire frozen pizza, which in reality isn't that much. If you cut the pizza in half, it's like, that's like two New York slices. I've eaten more pizza than that in a sitting, but I ate this frozen pizza. It was great. I don't, I don't, I never eat pizza anymore. So it was great. But then I just kept going the rest of the night. I'm not going to go down the whole list, but it was just one of those nights where I just destroyed myself. I think I'm still recovering, to be honest. I think that my ability to communicate has been worse. Because, I mean, it was the entire weekend. I just gorged myself. But I can't imagine doing that on camera. And it's not just that people are doing it. It's not just that these little Asian girls and these, you know, this gay couple are doing that in front of the camera and it's popular it's there's an entire audience for this the other thing i noticed on tiktok is a lot of like life hacks what we call doing a little life hack and you know people are really into life hacks so i ended up i I scrolled through it for about two hours like i said that's the most i've ever looked at tiktok i think i'd looked at it once briefly i looked at one person's like a couple videos on one person's page but This is the only time in my life that I've just scrolled through video after video and they make it so easy. It never ends. You just keep pressing down and another one shows up. It just, it never ends. And I, I was hypnotized immediately. And I had been very skeptical of that. I was like, I don't know. People all say that kids are addicted to TikTok and uh, how addictive could it be? But I did find that I was immediately sucked into it. It took no time and I wasn't even enjoying what I was watching These food videos were the opposite of anything I ever want to see, but I was a little bit intrigued just that they existed at all and had such a big audience. But I ended up on a going down a, a road where it was just life hack videos. It would show someone doing something that seemed unintuitive, they'd be like cutting a household object or like modifying a household object in a way you're like, what are you doing? But then they'd, they'd find some some way to, like, turn it into something useful. Like, oh, if you cut this thing on this, this package and you pull it up and you fold this, it becomes a little handle. A lot of stuff like that. Like, this, this, oh, you can do this with this. And it's funny because each one starts out with something that makes you say, like, what are they doing? Why would you, why would you be doing that? And then at the end you go, oh... That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Amazing. And uh, so, so that's a whole line. of thought, and the life hack thing has been big for years. Life hack. They're usually not something that... <laughs> What's funny is that whole, that whole genre of life hacks, at one point it was stuff that was genuinely useful, but it's, it's turned into something we're like modifying or changing anything. This fits into this. Oh, you know if you take this object and you turn it upside down and then you take this package and then you like, you cut this part of it, it fits inside of it and you can keep your combs in there? Oh, if you modify this regular household object and find a box that it perfectly fits into, you can keep your combs in there. A lot, a lot of it's just like very strange stuff at this point. I wouldn't call the, I, I wouldn't say they make your life any better. It's just kind of like, oh, you can do that. I imagine that cake thing a couple years ago started out on there. I don't know where that came from, but a couple years ago, these very skilled cake designers were able to make lifelike looking cakes. Like they would make an object that would look very lifelike, and you would see the video and be like oh that's a hairdryer. and then they put a knife to it and it was a cake they were able to make these very lifelike cakes that looked like real objects and i've noticed that the formula for a lot of these types of videos is like you're confused bet you don't know what this is going to be and at the end you're like oh my god I haven't seen any of the, the teenage ones. Like I, I was scrolling through, expecting to see more of these political ones, where people are you know virtue signaling. I was expecting to see more of these teenage dances. Didn't end up seeing any of those. It was just people eating insane amounts of food. Like there was one where a guy, you know, he was like a, he he looked like just an average Indian dude. You know, he wasn't, he was in shape, in shape, but he had these videos that I ended up seeing that were like, he would have this massive tray of lasagna. There was one where just like this massive thick tray of lasagna just sitting in front of him. And they're all, they're all filmed from this perspective where, you know, the camera's right in front of the food and it doesn't even look like a normal table. It's like, it, it looks like a it looks like the food is just like right under their chin. I don't know how they do this. I don't know if they're sitting on the ground or what they're doing. But it's not like a normal person sitting sitting at a table in front of food. It's like the food is, the, the tray of food or the plate of food is like inches away from their face. And so they have to like bring their hand up and, and it's messy, like this guy eating the lasagna, it was like getting all over his face. And I think that was part of the appeal. I mean, this might bleed into that whole like ASMR trend where people like to hear the sounds. But uh, I mean, it was it was disgusting. It was messy. It's just people stuffing their faces and the food's like an inch away from their face. Like This guy was eating lasagna and it was just like sauce was getting smeared on his face. It was like falling back into the tray. It was truly grotesque. And I did have a moment where I was like, this is what people are consuming. And, and you know, I'm not the target audience because I'm very sensitive about watching people eat and them seeing me eat. I, I, I really don't even like to talk about eating. I don't even like to talk about food. And I'm the weird one. I know that. But I think it's equally weird to want to see this up close graphic image of an Indian guy just shoveling a tray of lasagna. And they eat the whole thing. They eat the entire tray in front of you in a really short amount of time. Like if I'm really stoned and I have, you know, plenty of food in front of me, like I live that way sometimes. But the idea of just doing that on its own and doing it performatively, it's it's truly the last thing I would ever wanna do or wanna see for that matter. But for just a minute on this one night, I was kind of intrigued by it. Cause I was just like, I didn't know that this was so popular. I didn't know that watching people eat was so popular. And this one with the gay couple who are just there they're very heavy and they order takeout and they get like one of everything and it's just like spread out in front of them and they're just stuffing their faces and like reaching over each other it it's truly disgusting And from what I saw their commentary wasn't even funny or anything at least to me it it came across as I mean, maybe this is a a decadence thing. I mean, it's obviously a decadence thing, but it does come across like the end of civilization or something. You know, there's a million things that are the end of civilization, but it does come across like one of those things where if you heard about this in retrospect, we were like, oh yeah, near the end of the American empire or the Western empire, people were just watching videos of little Asian girls and fat gay people stuffing their faces they would have an entire spread of food in front of them just stuffing themselves getting it all over their faces you'd see them with noodles like i saw this asian girl with noodles it's a big i don't even know what it was it was a big thing of noodles and she was like slurping the noodles up and i was just like wow You know, I'm sure someone gets some sort of fetishistic thrill out of this, but that's not the entire audience. The entire audience is more general. But I could see where there's something hypnotizing about it. And I think that's what a lot of this is. You know, you hear people say that, that this stuff is hypnotizing. But I did find that my brain shut down. My brain doesn't normally shut down very often. I could use more of it. But my brain kind of shut down. And I was just, each new video, I was like, what's this? What is he going to do? What is that? And so you do get hypnotized by it. But, I mean, this this is how quickly things escalate. You know, going back to what I was saying a minute ago, how when I was growing up, it was, it was rare. It, w- it was an exception that you ever got to see yourself on videotape. And in many ways, it was an out-of-body experience. I mean, that's kind of what that was. Like, even as a kid watching footage of a birthday party, Bunch of little kids sitting around at a table waiting for their cupcake. You would, uh, you, you would, uh, you're having an out-of-body experience. Like you're seeing yourself talk and move around. And especially as a kid, because you're not particularly self-conscious. I mean, there was a period when, I, when my sister was a teenager where somehow we ended up with a few videotapes of just the kids hanging out. And people didn't know how to act either. You know, people didn't know what to do on videotapes. Like, uh, oftentimes, if the camera was pointed at them, they'd do something silly or goofy or say, Get that away from me. There was this intuitive reaction from a lot of people. They're like, Get that away from me. And you think about the, the stories about tribes who think that having your photo taken removes your soul from your body. I've heard that so many times in my life. Like, people have referenced that. They're like, Oh, yeah, there's that African tribe that thinks uh, photographs steal your soul. I've never even thought to research that. I'm sure it seems like an obvious thing to believe. Interestingly, Batty has developed an aversion to being photographed. At first, I thought it was just a coincidence. But his previous owner, Anna, has has seen it. And she said he didn't used to do it when he lived with her. But he'll be doing something really cute or he'll look very regal. And he's almost always looking at me. You know, being a chihuahua and everything, he's almost always paying attention to what I'm doing. His head is almost always pointed in my direction. When I lift up my phone to take a photo of him, without fail, every single time now, he turns his head to the side really quickly. As far to the side as possible. And it's not like he's doing it because there's anything uncomfortable or bad when I take a photo. Like, I'm just trying to take a picture of him as he is in that moment. It's not like I'm making him do anything. It doesn't inconvenience him in any way. Here is his plan. But uh, for some reason, though, he developed this aversion to having his photo taken. And he'll turn his head completely to the side. The second he sees the phone, he turns it to the side, which is not normal for him. And when Anna was over, she noticed it too, because I told her about it. I was like, you know, he doesn't let me take his photo anymore. And she tried, and sure enough, he wouldn't do it. So is, is there something intuitive that tells him, like, I don't want to have my photo taken? Because you saw people react that way to video. I mean, you've seen people react that way to, to just having their photograph taken at all. Like, I can think about being at family events and things when I was a little kid. And there'd always be some somebody's uncle where somebody would try to take a photo of him. And he'd, like, put his hands up or, like, get out of the frame. Somebody would be like, hey, everybody get together for a group photo. And somebody's uncle would be like, No. And you can even see this to some degree today, even though everybody's used to having their photo taken and people are taking hundreds, if not thousands of selfies of themselves. You can see where people do get a little bit uncomfortable when someone wants to take a photo at a party or something. The timing has to be just right. I've seen people get uncomfortable and I've gotten uncomfortable when I've been at a social get together and someone just starts taking photos. It's almost like they've removed themselves from the immediacy of it. And people, they're mean about that. They'll say like, oh, you're not experiencing it if you're just taking a bunch of photos and video. And that has, that's valid up to a certain point. But as I've said before, I think some people experience the moment more sometimes by documenting it. I think by being the person who takes photos or video, sometimes you actually connect yourself to the moment more. But I can totally get where people see that, oh, you're kind of removing yourself from the immediacy. But I get, I understand both sides of that. I'm a both-sider on that subject. And then, and then, too, you know, something that I think is just utterly uh, despicable, utter, utterly despicable, is just that now you can expect at any event to just see tons of people holding up their phone capturing video. Even when there's somebody taking professional footage, there's still a need. I, I want to capture my own video. I want to have my own version of this. I want to post this. I want to share this. And this came up recently because there was some sort of golf event. It was what we call a golf event. And a professional photographer took a photo where the golfer is about to swing. And there's a whole crowd watching him. And every single person in the crowd is holding up their phone capturing video. But there's this one guy, this one older guy, who just has a beer in his hand. And the beer company ended up putting him on a can. Because he represents the person who's just there. Of course, they take, I mean, that, that tells you everything. That being the one guy who's just drinking a beer, watching golf, and not holding up your camera phone to capture your own video, that's enough to get you put on a beer can. You know, the beer company obviously enjoyed the fact that he was drinking their beer. But still, there's a million pictures of people drinking that beer. But they deemed it significant because he's the only one not trying to video this. I mean, I noticed this even watching those barstool pizza reviews where Dave Portnoy, he, he comes out of the pizzeria, he starts talking about the pizza, eating it, and whenever the crowd develops around him, it, it'll pan and show the crowd, and inevitably, most of the people are holding up their phones. Even though this video is being recorded and it's going to go on YouTube, they want to have their own little slice of it. They want to have their own little jewel to be able to say, see, like, I saw him. I was there. And, you know, it's funny, too, is uh, (laughs) unrelated to all that. But as a kid, my next door neighbors were the first people to have a video camera. It was like a missile launcher. It was one of those ones that took a, a full sized VHS, like the same size VHS as the ones you put in your VCR. And it was all very direct. Like you put one of those into this thing. It's like a bazooka on your shoulder. Really heavy, really big. And then you can just take it out and immediately put it into your VCR. Later they developed those ones where it was like the size of a cassette tape. And if you wanted to put it on a VHS, you had to you know, hook it up to a, a recordable VCR and like tape it from the cassette tape in the camera. But these next door neighbors, this is probably like 1990, it was really early... They had one of the big ones that took a full-size VHS tape. And there was a time that I, I brought my copy of Dick Tracy, the movie Dick Tracy, over to their house. And my friend and I who lived there, like we were just completely obsessed with Dick Tracy. I don't know what it was, but that movie really spoke to us. Probably the first time, yeah, I mean, thinking about my interest in the mafia and everything, I wouldn't say it started then, but that was my introduction to the idea of gangsters even though it was cartoony and stylized. That was probably my introduction to the idea of gangsters. But uh, what's what's funny is I brought my copy of Dick Tracy over and we were kind of watching it. And then his they didn't have a copy. The neighbors didn't have their own copy. So his dad got out his video camera. He knelt down in front of the screen and just sat there on one knee with this, you know, Video camera bazooka on his shoulder. Just taping the entire movie. And you know the audio was going to be shitty. You know the visual was going to be shitty. But it was a way of getting the movie for free. And my friend and I lost interest. Like we'd seen the movie a million times. Because when you're a kid that age. You just put a movie on. You start watching it. And then you get excited and start playing. You start acting it out. You don't finish very many movies at that age. So we ended up like. We were probably pretending we were Dick Tracy around the house. And I remember like passing through the the room with the TV and it was a big screen TV, which is really funny because this family, like they were blue collar people who had made a lot of money. Like my friend's dad dropped out of high school, but he had done very well for himself in construction and obviously they could afford a, a bazooka video ca- video camera before anybody else. They had a big screen TV, but they didn't have a copy of Dick Tracy. So it's funny to me that like the cheapness of that or the convenience of that, of being like, we could afford all this other stuff, but uh, we're just gonna make a really shitty bootleg copy of Dick Tracy that you probably can't even hear right. Can't even hear it right. I'm just gonna kneel down in front of the TV and just tape this. Dick Tracy's funny. I don't want to talk too much about Dick Tracy here. But I never really thought about the fact that his that might not be his name. Cuz Dick is short for detective. So it might be calling him Detective Tracy, Dick Tracy. My entire life up until this moment, I just thought his name was Dick, like Richard Tracy. Oh wait, if it isn't all Richard Tracy. I would assume his name was Dick Tracy. His first name's Dick. Thinking about it now, I'm like, that was probably just short for detective. You know, that's that's an old term. Calling a detective a dick is obviously an old term. I mean, just the word dick in general. I mean, the word dick was just completely hijacked by genitalia. You know, you didn't, you know, it wasn't that... uh, it wasn't that r- rare to meet like baby boomer aged people, but with the name Dick, like my family had a close family friend. My family had a family friend, but his name was Richard and he went by Dick still goes by Dick as far as I know. But it's funny. Cause like you could go by that then, like, I'm not sure when the word Dick became associated with, with penis, but it didn't become that popular until later. And now you'll never find a young kid named Dick. There was a, there was an Asian kid I knew named Dick, which of course is very funny. But that's a, that's a funny thing. Right, here we are on an Asian tangent. I guess I, I was talking about these Asian TikTok videos of them eating massive amounts of food. But something I, I picked up on in elementary school was we had quite a few Asian kids, not a ton, but quite a few in the Seattle area. And most of their parents were immigrants. I think most of the kids, a few of them might have been born in Asia, but most of the kids I knew were born here, but their parents were immigrants. They came directly over. And they often named their children names that my grandparents' generation would be named. Literally, actually, because I knew a Vietnamese kid, I was kind of friends with him for a while, named Vernon. And uh, my grandpa's name is Vernon. Vernon. And you do not meet anybody named that. I mean, you don't even meet my dad's generation named Vernon. Most Vernons were my grandfather's age. And that name just, it it lost popularity. I don't know why either. I don't know why Vernon and Vern lost popularity like it did. Because it's not a name that was ever made fun of. But it just became an older man's name. And what's funny is... Uh, My redneck friend even picked up on that. Because when the kid Vernon was new to our school, we didn't know him. And my redneck friend leaned over and he said, see, see the new kid? What do you think his name is? Harry? Which is another older name. That name might be more popular elsewhere in the world. I don't know. But as far as the United States went, when I was growing up, Harold and Harry, you had to be old to have that name. You had to be at least a baby boomer. And even then it was more common with older generations. Nobody my age was being named Harry. And that was one of those moments where I, like my friend was not very, uh, you know, he, he was from like a, a pretty uneducated, rough household. They were proud rednecks. But that showed me how perceptive he was that he would make that joke. What do you think his name is? Harry? And then sure enough, his name ends up being Vernon. Really wonderful, nice kid. Vernon. Not going to say his last name. Really liked old Vernon. (laughs) Probably one of the nicest kids I ever met. But then there was another kid named Dick. There were a bunch of them. Asian families for whatever reason. and, and, And not for whatever reason. I mean, I think it was because they were introduced to those types of names before they came over here. Like the sorts of actors and celebrities and politicians and notable people in the United States who, who they were aware of were an older generation. And so when they came here, they're like, oh, we're going to name our sons and daughters. And it wasn't just the sons. It was also the daughters. Like there was an Asian girl in my school named Grace. That's another one of those names. You're, you might have a friend whose grandma's name is Grace. But they weren't naming young people Grace by then. There were some others too. It was, it was both men and women. It was both boys and girls. They would have names that you would typically associate with your, uh, your grandparents' generation or older. It was kind of cool in a way though. I mean, I liked it. I didn't think it was uncool. But you were aware of it. And so anyway, Dick Tracy... I just always assumed his name was Richard Tracy, but it makes sense that detective is, was, it used to be shortened to Dick, shortened to Dick. And so, yeah, detective Tracy, Dick Tracy. My buddy Nick and I actually had a joke about our friend's little brother. Our friend's little brother was always telling people about other people's dicks about their Dickies. For example, he told me one time and his dad was actually the same one who who had the bazooka video camera. So this all fits together. And I'm about to tell you something about that guy cuz one time the little brother, we were just sitting around talking, we were hanging out, his his little brother was probably 4 years old. He was really young. And he just volunteers out of nowhere. He goes, My dad's dick isn't very long, but it's really fat. (laughs) I never forgot that. (laughs) We were just talking, we, we might have been talking about dicks. I don't know. I don't think we were, we never talked about our own dicks. We never talked about our dad's dicks, if you ever saw that. But my friend's little brother just out of nowhere was just like, my dad's dick isn't very long, but it's really fat really fat and so i'm just imagining like what kind of dick does this guy's dad have it's not very long but it's really fat it's just such personal information that's what they call a dad dick i feel like i've even heard them a dad dick it's not very long but it's really fat jesus but the same kid he told me another time uh he had this cousin who would always come visit and this kid was amazing i loved the cousin he was like a celebrity when he came to town. But one time the little brother said, he's like, I'm not going to say the guy's Let's Let's say the cousin's name was Jason. He had a very similar name. The little brother was, he's like, hey, oh yeah, when we were changing, I saw Jason's dick and it's tiny. And you know what? What's funny is he, he wasn't even, that made it sound like it was more uh, insulting than it was. He was much more just telling it how it was. He was like, I saw his dick. It was really tiny. This is a four-year-old kid, but he's checking out everyone's dicks. And so I was talking to my friend Nick about that. And there were other times too. This, this kid was obsessed with people's dicks. And I was talking to my buddy Nick, and Nick was like, he's a dick dick. I Meaning he's a dick detective. He's investigating other people's dicks. He's a dick dick. Dick Tracy, Dick Dick. Another side, I didn't even think about this connection, but the other thing now too is the amount of footage people have of their own genitals and things like that. I mean, I've never sent a, a dicky pic to a single human being. Never. To be honest, I don't even know if I've ever taken a photo of that. I wouldn't want to see it. I really wouldn't want to see a photo of my own dick. I've had plenty of opportunity, but I've, I've never sent them to another person, let alone taken any. But a, a female friend of mine was telling me, like this, this other male friend of hers, just late at night, like she got a dick pic from him, just out of nowhere, and had to get mad at him. And I know that's something that happens. You know, I know that men send dick photos, but people have seen more footage of their own dicks and their own genitals and things than they ever have before, too. It's not just that they've seen themselves. They've now taken footage of it. They've now seen footage of it. So we're seeing so, much, so many parts of ourselves as we've never seen them before. You know, not to make this too uh, X-rated, but it's like, as a man, you only ever see your dick from one angle. But now people are taking all these different angles. You know, men will, will criticize women for taking too many selfies. When men are like are like sitting there trying to find the, the perfect angle to take a photo of their dicky. You should send it to the dick dick. That kid wasn't gay or anything either, I have to point out. He was just interested. It was a cult. It was something you're, that's normally hidden. He didn't turn out gay. He wasn't, wasn't interested in men. He was just kind of intrigued by, by the size of people's dicks. He was the dick dick. He was the dick detective. But yeah, men, they've spent a lot of time, you know, not all men, but a lot of men have spent time taking photos of their dick. They get erect, they get aroused, and they take photos of that. They try different angles, they want to make it look bigger, they want to make it look more attractive. They might not take that as many photos as selfies, but then they want to share that too, which is interesting. I I can't imagine having the, the desire to share that. Even if somebody wanted it. But people do it apparently fairly often, and, and men get a certain thrill out of it. I just wouldn't get a thrill out of that even if someone wanted it. It just doesn't... The whole act of doing it would take out any enjoyment. But some people like that. Not me. But that's a strange thing. You know, it's, it's As these things have become more normal and accessible, we do them to excess. We use them to take photos of ourselves, videos of ourselves, videos of us eating, videos of important things, videos of mundane things, videos and photos of ourselves naked. I mean, I was hanging out with this group of people probably six or seven years ago. Nice people, really good people. One of them was a married couple, I believe. And uh, we were talking about like working out or fitness or something, and the guy, the husband of in this couple, he was he was a good friend of my friends, but I didn't know him very well. And he and like we were talking about like working out and stuff, and he wanted to show us, I guess, his body. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I wasn't really part of this conversation, but uh, and he held up a picture on his phone. And it was of him naked, and he was cupping his dicky like you couldn't see his you couldn't see anything nasty but you could see his everything else I mean he wasn't wearing underwear and we were drunk of course but it's like he just has those photos it's not even the story I'm telling it's not even about the fact that he held up a naked photo of himself to a group of people and there were both men and women we're all sitting around a table and he, and he was like a fun, free-spirited guy, and there, he wasn't doing any, beyond the fact that he was showing a naked photo to us, I didn't feel like he had any weird ulterior motive. We were talking about fitness, people were talking about fitness, and he was just like showing his unclothed body to show his, his gains, just showing my gains. But what got me about it wasn't that he showed us that, it was that, oh, he takes photos like that. He just poses in, in front of the mirror naked with a hand over his, his crotch. You know, I, I understand the idea. Like, I've taken pictures of myself flexing and things. Taking pictures of myself shirtless. But that's another part of this, is just the, the quantity of it all. The amount of footage, the amount of photography we do of ourselves. You know, because even though photographs were big already, you know, even though photographs were just a fact of life when I was growing up, they weren't immediate. My family never had a Polaroid camera. And Polaroids were kind of looked down upon. People now think they're really cool, and they are cool. I like Polaroids. But, you know, Polaroids weren't huge. Like, I don't remember Polaroid cameras being around much. But for the most part, it's like you would take photos, drop the film off at Costco, pick it up. You probably weren't going to see these photos sometimes until months later, weeks, months. And my family, at least, like they would drop off. My family would drop off like a whole, a whole bunch of film canisters at once. You just, you know, you'd finish this one off, put the next one in and you drop them off baddie but you and then you'd be surprised by what was on there you'd be like oh I didn't realize you took a photo of that oh yeah that was fun oh these photos are from four months ago oh we took these photos at, at Brian's birthday party four months ago oh this is from Mike's wedding oh this is from Mike's wedding oh look it was an experience unto itself And you were reliving this memory a significant time later. It wasn't convenient. Maybe there were some freaks who just dropped film off the second it was done. But even then, there's a turnaround. Now there's no turnaround. So you're you're immediately seeing what you just saw. You're having this immediate out-of-body experience where you're now seeing a representation on your phone. I mean, it reminds me of a, a video I saw that this dad took where he was holding up his phone as he was driving but it was pointed to the back seat where his daughter was sitting and she looked like she was probably 13 years old but she was holding up her phone and she was continuously making crazy faces and either taking video or probably photos of it but it was insane like, she was just endlessly... Like, she never stopped contorting her face. Like, she was just continuously contorting her face. Almost like that thing Charles Manson does. Charles Manson's famous for doing that that weird facial mannerism thing where he, like, squints his eyes and raises his eyebrows up and down and, like, opens his mouth and smiles. And it's just, like, this chaotic... Like, I'm, I'm kind of doing it right now where it's just, like... It's almost like you you lost control over all of your facial muscle, mus- muscles your facial muscles and they're just spasming everywhere. Charles Manson did that. At least there was, there was some famous interview or footage of him where it's almost as if every facial muscle is spasming. His tongue's going out, his tongue's going in, this eye's going up here, this eyebrow's going up and down. That's what this girl in the back seat was doing. And her dad was just without her knowing he was taking this footage of it, not trying to shame her. Like it was all in good fun. But it was wild to watch this little girl, she was entertaining herself by just taking photo after photo, continuous photo of her just, her making endless, an endless number of facial contortions. And you know what, that's, that's totally cool. You know, why not? Like, if, that's, if a kid has a phone, why not do that? Like, I used to go in the bathroom mirror and make all kinds of faces. And those are the days when they used to warn you that if you did things like pulling your eyelids down, it would stay like that forever. That was a big urban legend that I heard all the time. And I even heard scientific explanations for it. People believed it. Cause it's always disgusting when you pull your eyelids down and you can see the red. You're not supposed to do that. But you do if you did that to somebody, like like I did that to my sister one time and she goes, you know, if you do that enough, it'll stay like that forever. And then another time I was doing it, and that I mean, this came up all the time, and then you start telling other people that. If a kid does that to you, you say, you know, if you do that, it'll stay that way forever. But one time a family friend was over, this much older dude, he was like nine years older than me, and uh, he was like, like an older brother or something to me. We were very close with this family. But I did that, and I think my sister or somebody said, oh, you know, if you do that long enough, it'll stay like that forever. And then Owen which is his, was his name Owen said yeah that's true he goes how it works is like oxygen gets into the pockets in your lower eyelid and uh, like the oxygen stays there and like your eye he had some it was, I wouldn't be able to remember exactly what it was but he made it sound very convincing it was like something about oxygen getting in there and like making a pocket and so i believed it a lot of people believed it and to make it worse one time i was at the mall and I saw this family approaching and the son had eyes like that. He was about my age too. And he had eyes like that where it was like there was something wrong with his eyes where the bottom eyelid drooped down and you could see some of the red almost. It wasn't meant to look that way. I doubt it was exactly the way it looks when you pull your eyelids down, but it was enough that it startled me. And I was like, that, that's, that's one of them. That confirmed the urban legend to me. I was like, I bet that's what happened to that kid. I bet that kid I saw at the mall had pulled his eyelids down for too long and it stayed that way. People still believe things like that, though. Like, I still got traces of the, the masturbation, hairy palms thing. You know, it was an old urban legend. It was an old myth that kids who masturbate too much get hair on their palms. And I remember people repeating that and not knowing if it was true or not. Even though it's not like you saw people with hairy palms, you just wanted to be careful about it. You know, it was not an era of fact-checking. You just heard things and believed it, but the eye thing was part of that. Point being, like, I used to look in the mirror and I'd pull my eyelids down... I learned how to like move my nose to the side and, you know, I just learned how to do all kinds of gruesome things to my face. So seeing this this footage of a little girl, a teenage girl in the backseat of her dad's car, just doing that endlessly into her phone and taking photos of it. Somebody could look at that cynically and be like, oh, these kids, they just, they can't keep their face out of their phone. Because there was something horrifying about it. On an objective level, there was something kind of horrifying about seeing this girl just make endless faces in front of her phone. But it's just a newer version of what kids have always done. I'd rather kids do that, to be honest, than take glamour photos. You know, I think that, I think a girl making all kinds of mutant faces for her phone is healthier than just trying to find the right pose to look beautiful. And taking thousands of photos like that. It's crazy though. there was There's a guy who... He was a former mafia associate whose father was killed. And he now does interviews. I, I'm familiar with his, who his father is. And I've seen the son in interviews. And he's, he's probably in his 50s. He's got gray hair. Very, very tan. But I looked at his Instagram. Bill Cotolo Jr. C... C U T O L O, I think. Catolo. Yeah, I think that's right. But Bill Catolo Jr. And his Instagram is the same selfie every day. He takes a selfie from the same exact angle, doing the same exact thing. And it's always him with a huge smile with a cigar in his teeth. And he's doing this fist thing where he's holding his fist up near the camera. And he takes a photo like that every day. And if you look at his Instagram page, it's insane. Like when you see all the photos at once, because it's just, it's him in different clothes in different locations with a cigar between his teeth, the same smile and a fist. I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing. I'm not criticizing this guy. I'm just saying it kind of blows your mind that this guy's thing is every single day. You could make an animation of this. And it would look like just the same guy making the same pose every day. And it would probably just look like the clothes are swapping really, really fast, and the location is swapping really fast. But that's kind of part of this. Like even older people are doing this. Even some rough guy some guy from a rough mafia background whose father got killed, his thing now is to take a selfie every day in the same exact pose with a cigar in his mouth. You know, it's not just teenagers who do that. And like I said, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's great that we have the... We've actually seized the, the means of production. That used to be something that cost a lot of money. It was a big deal to have a photo of yourself. You might only have one photo of yourself ever taken. But now it's something that's so readily available that it's built into a lot of people's routines. It's a mirror. You know, there are a lot of young women I know who even more than like styling them themselves in the mirror, they'll take a selfie of themselves to make sure they look good. Nothing wrong with that. I don't see how that's any worse than looking in a mirror. It's just that it's recorded. It's, it's documented. And so there's this mass documentation that's taking place where we document ourselves like never before. I'm doing it right now. But we have so many different ways to document our lives. You don't see people freak out about security cameras anymore. I don't even know these days... Like, if you go into a Fred Meyer electronics section... I don't even know that they have camcorders. Or camcorders that are hooked up to a closed-circuit TV... So you can look at yourselves. But that was truly novel at one point in time. And beyond that, like, you didn't think it was weird. Like, if you were at Fred Meyer... And you saw somebody go up to the TV screen... Where they can see footage of themselves and they did a little jig something about it made people do a little jig like oh i'm on tv even though you knew it wasn't tv tv even though you knew that they were just trying to sell you a video camera and showing you what you looked like on it people were still like whoa i'm on tv i'm gonna do a little jig i'm gonna mess with it people get up close to it they would make faces And you'd see people doing that. You'd see adults doing it. You'd see especially kids doing it. But you didn't think they were weird for it. You kind of understood that, oh, yeah, it's weird to see footage of yourself on a screen. Why wouldn't you go do something silly? It's almost like testing it. Like you don't believe that it's truly you until you see it doing these goofy body movements. But you can see how reluctant people are, too. Just like Batty turning his head now anytime a camera's on him. I'm. I wonder, it's, it's honestly, it's made me question what I'm doing probably more deeply than I should. When Batty turns his head away from the camera, I'm like, is this a bad thing? Is it bad that I'm taking photos? I don't think so, but it does make me question it. Like, is there something intuitive that tells us that's bad? Does Batty know? Do these tribes who think that a photograph steals their soul, do they know something we don't know? And and honestly, if one of these tribes who doesn't believe in photographs or believes photographs are evil, if they were to see some of what people are doing with their phone cameras now, dick pics, nudity, facial contortions all day, every day, narcissism, Thousands of photos of yourself trying to look good. That kind of seems evil in a way. I don't think any doing any one of those things is evil. But it does start to feel like some kind of demonic possession. Like this thing possesses you. So I understand why those tribes feel the way they, they feel. Even though they don't know what the logical conclusion is. I understand why they look at it and say maybe that's not a good thing. That thing steals your soul. Maybe Batty knows something. And that's why he's, he's learned to turn his head. And it's not something that I harass him with either. I don't harass Batty with tons of photos. But I have noticed that since he's lived with me, he doesn't like to be photographed. He doesn't like to look at the camera. So is there something in us that intuitively says that's not a good idea? Even though these tribes don't know that that's going to end up with just this this influx of all of these sins. Because, I mean, it it is almost like the seven deadly sins are playing out in the form of these videos and photos. You have pride and narcissism. Gluttony is apparently a part of it. Because that's what these TikTok videos of people eating are. They're just gluttony videos. They're people being gluttonous and other people watching it. I don't even want to see another person or I mean I mean I don't even want another person to see me eat a rice cracker. if another person sees me eat a single rice cracker, well I already feel like I'm on display. I already feel like a glutton an exhibitionist a gluttonous exhibitionist so the idea of someone seeing me eat an entire tray of sloppy lasagna it was some really sloppy lasagna. It's gluttonous, you know, it's, we're, we're watching gluttonous play out. We can see that envy is a big part of this. Envy is a big part of social media photographs. They look better than I do. They're doing something more fun than me. They're funnier than me. They're cooler than me. From studies that have been done, that's a big part of it. There's a lot of envy. There's a lot of jealousy on social media. Oh, those people are hanging out, but they didn't invite me. Oh, they had a party, but they didn't invite me. And I'm getting to see how much fun they're having. I mean, I had a situation like that at a job I had where some of the coworkers went out for fun one night and the boss didn't get invited not out of anything personal, maybe a little bit, but it was just, we were peers. As peers, the coworkers wanted to get together. We had a great time by inviting the boss. And this was the the owner of the company. It wasn't just our supervisor or something, but there was, there was a history of the boss making it unfun or making it feel like work. And it was also an issue where alcohol is involved. Like we want to be able to cut loose and talk freely. We want to be able to joke about work if it comes up. You know, we weren't sitting around just talking about work nonstop. But if somebody wants to say something like at the expense of the company, if somebody wants to have real talk, I mean, that's inevitably going to come up. If you drink with coworkers, inevitably at some point, somebody's going to be honest about something at work. It's different when, this, when the person who owns the company is there. But he ended up finding out that we had this get-together without him, and he was really hurt. He didn't punish anybody. He didn't do anything crazy. Overall, he handled it well, but he was really deeply hurt. So that envy comes in. You know, that that whole term people use, like fear of missing out, that's a part of this. I haven't experienced much of that. Like, I've experienced very little envy or jealousy through social media, but it's part of it. Gluttony has been part of it from the beginning. You know, it's not just these people gorging themselves on sloppy lasagna. It's not just Asian girls eating insane amounts of noodles right in front of the camera. It's also that we saw that taking a photo of your food became very popular when social media got big, when normal people started using social media, just taking photos of your food got big. That wasn't on the internet earlier. I'm sure there were foodies. I'm sure there were a bunch of foodies early on, you know, when digital cameras were first coming out. I'm sure there were, there were foodie communities who wanted to see photos of food. But that wasn't something you saw everywhere, even in early social media. You know, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, when people had digital cameras, when people had phone cameras even, there weren't that many people taking photos of their food. It seemed to be when normal people, when completely mainstream normal people started using the internet in mass. that's when we started to see just, it was totally normal to go out to dinner and take a photo of your food. Totally normal to cook something and take a photo of it. And people are into that. I'm not criticizing it. Obviously, many people are into that. But that itself is kind of gluttonous in a way. Like, look what I'm about to eat. Look at this. Doesn't that look good? Looks good, doesn't it? But how that mutated now into this TikTok thing of people gorging themselves on their food. It's not just taking a photo of how nice your food looks when it comes to you. It's now just this really unappetizing Visual. You know, because what I saw, the food people were eating in these TikTok videos, it was really unappetizing. It was just a huge amount of it. You know, there's a reason why, you know, fancy food, like fancy restaurants use a very minimal presentation. It's like, oh, the, the steak is isolated over here and the vegetables are laid down very strategically over here. There's a little sprinkling of something there's a little parsley it's very decorative but if you notice you know the the fancy presentation of food is usually minimal and the more food you have <laughs> the more food you have in one place usually the more it starts to look like a trough and these TikTok videos they looked like they were eating from troughs like I said it was an entire tray of something casserole. Some of the worst stuff you could ever imagine someone eating. I hate to even talk about it. Like somebody with a, just a massive trough with like a casserole in it. The definition of gluttony. I, I didn't mean to turn this into like going down all of the, the seven deadly sins and how they manifest through people's cameras and through social media. But I mean wrath is big. You know, you can see how wrathful people are. Totally wrathful. I don't even remember what the other seven deadly sins are, so I'm not going to finish it. But we can see all of these are a part of it. And pride's a big one, but it's all of them. And it's, it's sort of as above, so below, where those things manifest among humans no matter what we're doing. Put a bunch of humans in a room without any phone or device... And the seven deadly sins will come about one way or another. So, of course, when you put the human into the device, when a human starts inhabiting a device, of course those things are going to happen there too. They happen everywhere. But there was a point in time where I think those things were too novel. Novel. It seems to be when we become comfortable, when we when we become used to something, that we start to see all of those dynamics come out, all of those sins emerge. The emergence of sins. But it, it does it seems to be when we're more comfortable with something, when it becomes more common. You not to say that novelty can't produce those things, too. But at one point, you know, taking a photo or uh, you know, taking video of yourself. It didn't provoke those things. You reacted to it as if it was something totally alien and new, which it was. And, you know, and just to talk about envy too, I don't remember anybody getting envious over someone else's photographs. Or for that matter, home videos. Because those are the days too where you'd go over to someone's house and they'd be like, oh, check out, they just hand you a photo album. Oh, here's photos from our trip to Disneyland. Here's photos from our trip to Disneyland. And you just go through them. And be like, oh, whoa. Oh, you're waiting in line to meet Goofy. Oh, you're waiting in line to meet... You know, you, you just see it and you be like, oh, you were doing that. And it was cool. Like, you, you enjoyed it. Like, I, I really enjoyed when people would show me their photos. You go to a family's house and they just be like, check out our photos from three months ago. And you'd be like, that's, that's Splash Mountain. But you didn't look at them and go, oh my god, I wish I was there. They're showing me their photos and I feel like I missed out. You understood that you were viewing something from months ago. If somebody sent you, like, you'd get people's prom photos in the mail. Family, families would just send you... <laughs> families would just, like, send your family a photo of their daughter... In in her her prom dress with her date. And you didn't look at it and go, oh, God, she's in such a happy relationship and I'm not. You didn't feel any envy. You're just like, oh, she went to prom and she looked really good and her her date looked like a nice guy. I don't think you experienced all this stuff through photos and video back then. Whereas now we live in a world where if like somebody posts their, their prom photo with their date, there's going to be somebody who sees that, probably the same day it was taken in some cases, and they're like, oh, I don't have that. Or she's just posting that because she looks so good and she wants attention. We start projecting all kinds of things onto why people do the things they do too, as we become more comfortable with them. Oh, they're just trying to make me feel bad about my life. He's just doing that to brag. You didn't read into people that way, though, before. You you read into people, but you didn't necessarily look at their photos that way. Because functionally, it's not different. Like, people are still just showing videos and photos to each other. That's not a new development. The new development is that you can can put those into someone's brain immediately while they're at home, while they're doing anything, that we're seeing them all day. We're exposed to them constantly. It's the exposure and the comfort we all have, the amount of it. But that is part of these changes that I'm talking about, going from the days when you'd get your photos developed and it might be something from six months earlier, might be something from a trip six months earlier. And then, you know, that trip would be kind of distant, you know, it'd be growing distant from you. Oh yeah. We went to Disneyland six months ago, but then you get the photos developed and you're like, Oh, it was our trip. Remember that? Remember Splash Mountain? Oh, there's Goofy's house. You know, you'd remember it as you look at these photos. Same with video. It's like, oh, here's, here's some footage of our birthday party. Oh, we videotaped your football game. But seeing things develop now to where it's like every single human being has the capacity to do that and share it with everybody they know, and they do it all the time. How that's created this spiritual, emotional wreckage It's really done a number on people. It's played into all the deadly sins. And even though I'm not against that stuff, I'm against phone shaming. I don't care if someone wants to take a million selfies. I don't care if somebody wants to make a million selfies. I don't care. It truly doesn't bother me one way or another. I mean, I ran into my friend's boyfriend a few years ago, her, her husband now, but uh, I ran into him. I was jogging. I was running and it was rainy out and I, he was walking and he was like, hey. And I, I've never taken selfies with somebody, but his wife was a good friend of mine. And I was like, we, we should really take a selfie because she was at work or something. And I was like, we should really take a selfie and send it to her just because she would understand the absurdity of that. She would understand that it's completely absurd that me looking all sweaty with my arm around her husband out on the street, like we're, we're not the kind of guys who take selfies, let alone together. So it was just, it it was, irony or something. It was like, she's going to, she's going to laugh. So we're on the side of the street and we take a photo together. This guy was pulling up. He honked and gave us the finger. He might've said, fuck you. He definitely gave us the finger and honked. And it was clear he was doing it because we were taking a selfie. He was obviously anti-selfie. And I thought that was so funny because I was like, the whole reason we're doing this is because it's the opposite of what we would do. But that guy took offense to it. He might as well have been an African tribesman who thinks that phones steal your souls. But there's some truth to that too. Like when I see an entire crowd of people all holding up their phone at an event, it does feel like they're possessed by something. When I see footage of a teenage girl in the backseat of her dad's car, just contorting her face endlessly for minutes on end, just from this video alone, minutes on end, she seemed possessed. When you imagine one of these parents I've heard about like scrolling through their kids' phone and there's thousands of selfies every day. You know, not thousands every day, but I mean they're seeing thousands of selfies spread out, you know, taken every day. That feels like possession. It feels like part of their soul has been possessed. When I see photos of, of tiny little petite Asian girls just gorging themselves on noodles and who knows what. And people are watching that, too. It feels like everybody's possessed in that moment. But I think what we're seeing is just, it's in us already. It's why I push back on people who are like, social media is destroying us, phones are destroying us. I think those things have helped make things worse. But the actual substance of it doesn't come from the devices. The substance of it comes from what's already in us. It comes from what's already imperfect about us. And I don't think it matters what the device is. So I'm hesitant to blame too much on that, even though it, it has obviously intensified everything. So as much as I push back against the people who push back on phones and cameras and all that, there is a part of me deep down that intuitively thinks this stuff does kind of steal your soul. But then again, what doesn't steal your soul? (laughs) At this point, I'm willing to believe anything does. I see a land where children can run free so terrible